Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. And our goal with this is it's so simple that we can miss it. We can really miss it. But we lay down the foundation that live love is this, is that, that God loved us first. And he proved that love to us by Christ on the cross. And we spent some, a wonderful, really a beautiful time around the communion table and really laid that foundation down. But when we hear that and we sing it and we talk about it like God loves you, God loves you, it almost can be kind of a drone, can it? Like, oh, I know God loves me. I know God loves me. Yes, he loves me. But do we know the depth and the dimension of that love? And what does that really mean? Because when we, when we hear the message, God loves me, we take that out into the, to our work week. We take it out in our community. We take it out where we live. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of love. Maybe you experienced this lately. Like, where's the love? Because we, we really live in a very loveless world. I know there's pockets of people doing good and different things, but turn on the media, right? Turn on the news, turn around us. There's not a whole lot of love and people expressing love to one another. There's a lot of animosity. There's a lot of backbiting. There's a lot of betrayals and there's all this drama that goes on in real life. You don't even have to watch it on, on TV. It just happens around us and that we can feel not very loved. And when you're not really loved, you're not very lovable, you might know some people are not very lovable. There's something behind. They're not living love. They're living hurt. They're living rejected. And so when you try to reach out to them, they don't really reciprocate back because they don't really know what it means to live in love and to, to be loved. Christy and I, when we were first starting out almost 25 years ago now, we were involved in starting a new youth ministry. It was a new, brand new church plant. We became the youth pastors, and we started this new youth group. And the kids that were gathered for it were a lot of kids that they, they just didn't go to church, and so they didn't know a whole lot of the, the rules to, to follow. And some of those kids were pretty rough around the edges to try to love and reach out. And there was one girl in particular named Kristen. And Kristen was one of those girls that you look in the group, and when you looked at her, she'd scowl at you. Like, whoa, okay, I'm looking in this direction too. It's like, she's scaring me a little bit. You know, I didn't think a 15-year-old girl could scare me that bad, but she gave me the glare, the evil eye. Like, okay, something's going on there. But Kristen, her, Christy would go up to Kristen and after group and try to give her a hug. And she's just like, oh, I'm not sure what to do with this. You know, it's kind of awkward moment. Like you were trying to hug somebody, didn't expect the hug. Like, okay, what do I do with it? And that was just Kristen for a long time. But Christy started meeting with her and just saw her, saw her heart melt and heart, her heart melt a little bit. But all, just right after that, as she's starting to kind of warm up, we come to, I get a call from Kristen's mom and says, we need to get out of our house now. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? My husband, and she had her husband and then Kristen and had another sister. We need to get out now. And so we helped. It was a domestic situation. And I remember carrying a, a couch up to a balcony. I threw it on the balcony. I was trying to, we we're just trying to help this woman and his, her, her daughters get, get to safety. The irony of it, Kristen's dad, who was abusive to her, bought her Taekwondo lessons, which I thought was interesting. Like, who are you protecting from who, you know? So this girl is pretty mean, and you don't want to mess with her, by the way. She has, she has you know, weapons, okay? And, and so... But this is the girl, but over the course of a couple of years, her heart was growing, you know, fond of Christy and, and, and helping. But then we had to announce that we're leaving. 
And remember when I announced that to the group, Kristen got up and ran out the door, like ran out of the park, not to the parking lot. I'm like, okay, can someone go get her? What happened? But that was a reaction. But just before she left, she made us a dinner. She, she said, hey, thank you for investing in me. But it was really hard to let her go. But there was some love that she received, just a short amount of time that we were able to pour into her. But it's hard to love people that aren't wanting to be loved because they've never really experienced love. I hope that makes sense for you. Maybe you're at the place going, yeah, that's, that's kind of been my life. I, you might be saying your life has been filled with more hurt. You haven't lived love. You've lived hurt. You've, you've lived rejected. And some of you would go back as far as you can remember that way. When someone said they, they, they would say the words they love you, but they're, they're doing exactly the opposite. And so whether it's love or hurt, it shaped you for who you are. So when we start talking about God's love, the, the, the love of the Father, it's really hard to break in because of we live in this very loveless world. And yet the Bible makes it very clear that God's love, it's an everlasting love. It never runs out. We sing those songs over and over again. Why do we sing it over again? So we would get the message of that love, but it still sometimes doesn't always penetrate. It actually kind of, some of us live out of fear, and yet First John tells us this, that, that, that perfect love casts out all fear. You're not love, you're, 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 you have fear because you're not made perfect in love. And this love that we have that was given to us by God himself. His motivation to give us that love is all about relationship that he wants with us. Back in the garden, Adam and Eve, God created created everything, created them in his image, and it was wonderful. But not only that was, God wanted to be with his creation. Scripture talks about that God came in the cool of the day to be with Adam and Eve. What came to find out is that Adam and Eve had sinned, and it broke the relationship with with God. And, and so because of that, there's this imperfect version of love. And this imperfect version of love, what it's put us on is a performance track. And where we're getting to the place where we want to in some ways earn love. Let me, let me ask this question. Have you ever tried to earn someone's love? Try to earn their favor. You're trying to earn their way you know, to get their approval. We, we probably have done this when we were kids and teenagers. Teenagers are an interesting group of people because they they want to. They, there's a one sense they want to be independent, do it do it their way, and this is and yet then they all dress alike and talk alike, and, and you know it, you know isn't that funny how how we were back then as well? We why did we do that? We wanted to fit in. We wanted to be loved. We wanted somebody, anybody to accept us. And sometimes that was, you know, positive peer pressure. And it was negative many times. It pulled us to do things we wouldn't think we would do, but we wanted to do and earn that. Some of us have, have done that with our, our parents. We, we grew up and, and parents had a standard. They, 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 they kind of they tried directly to do this to us. Some maybe have where, you know, you got to get good grades and we hope you do well on the athletic field or you need to perform well. If you do the right things, then we're going to love you. And so many people grew up, maybe you grew up trying to earn your parents' love, earn their attention, that you wanted to hear those words, I love you, wanted the affection that was there. And some of us experienced that, some of us didn't get that, never got that. And then ultimately, some of us pursued to find our soulmate, to find the person that would truly love us for who we are. And we pursued, and, and many of us found that person, but for some, of us, for some of us, it was a trial and error. We thought this person loved us, but they actually used us. And they, they t- we did things we never thought we would do because we were trying to earn their love, and it never 
was enough. And what happens is we take that performance-based love and relationship and we translate it into, into the relationship that we have with God. And somehow we, we're trying to get God's approval and God's favor. Listen, you can't earn love. It, you can't buy love. You can't get love on a performance track. It will never, ever be enough. Never enough. And yet, we take this performance track, and I can almost say it goes in almost two extremes. One is, how much can I do, or how much little I can do? How much can I try to earn God's love? How much can I, little can I do to still be loved? As a, as a pastor, I mentioned you know, close to 25 years, people ask me directly and indirectly questions like this. They'll say, Dan is blank blank a sin. Or what does the Bible say about this? Is it okay for a Christian too? Is there anything wrong with? And, the, and you get these questions over and over. And I, I, I find it's kind of this idea is that how close, what they're really asking is, how close can I, can I get to sin but not actually sinning? That's really was, it's almost kind of the how, how low can I go mentality. And I don't know if you just, when you were a kid, this is way, like before iPhones came out, you were sitting at the table and you didn't have anything screened in front of you. And so you're bored and you're sitting around the table, maybe on Thanksgiving or meal and there's candles on the table. Did you ever do this, play the candle game where you're putting your finger across the candle? How many did that? You're trying to, you put your finger across the candle and, and then you go a little bit slower. Oh, I did it. <laughs> I didn't get burned. Then you did it again. Oh, and then look, and then, oh, okay, I got burned. Okay. That's kind of what we do when it comes to sin. How close, how close can I get without getting burned? How close can I get without sinning? And we have that how low can you go kind of mentality. Now, the other, the other one that we actually do is, is this. Is we, we could call it how high can I get? Now, I'm not talking that high if you're thinking that. Okay, I'm talking about... I'm talking about how, how can I achieve, how close can I get to God? Questions like this, how close can I get to God? How can I know God more intimately? How can I receive all that God has for me? Now, on a spiritual church side of things, you're thinking, those are bad questions. Those are actually really good questions. Yes, on the surface, they're really good questions, but it comes down to motive. Is you, you pursuing God something out of a consumer, selfish, driven way, or is it, is it based on you're really wanting God in, in, in relationship with him for who he is? They're both, both sides. How low can you go and how high can you get? We're, we're, we're trying to, on a performance track. If I do this, this, and this, then God will give me favor, that God will bless me. I'm not saying there's not blessing through obedience. Don't get me wrong on that. But if our motive is this, it's really we're, we're self-absorbed. And what we want. See, what happens in these extremes on this performance track is one leaves you defeated and guilt-ridden. The other one leaves you exhausted. And neither one are healthy for our lives. And all I say is this, you can't earn that love. God loves you regardless of what you do for him. God loves you no matter what you've done on the opposite of that. You never can earn his love. And yet, throughout history, and even biblically, we see that really a pattern that took place. Read through all the Old Testament. They're very involved in rituals and sacrifices and following strict rules, all with the hope of getting right back into relationship with God again. We, we call them the Ten Commandments. 
And it's good that we have the Ten Commandments. Don't get me wrong, they're very important because I think we'd self-destruct if we didn't have those, right? I think there's a lot of people would say they're very, very important to have. But what it did is it created, it put us on a performance track. It put us upon like, I got to do this, got to do this, got to do this, so I can somehow, you know, get closer to God or that God won't zap me. That, I, that his wrath would come, come down on me. And over time, as much as those had good intentions, what over time happened was those that couldn't follow him just rejected him. And those that did and tried to follow him, it created pride and you could say even prejudice toward those that weren't. It created a chasm between people. And that was so much the case in the first century when Jesus came on the scene. I find it very interesting, and you read through the Gospels, there's so much that Jesus talks about, the kingdom, and so much of his teaching, but it's many times it's in the context of religious animosity. Many times Jesus is addressing the people that were trying to take him out. There's the, many times he was combating people trying to trick him to try to, to say, say something he shouldn't say. They're trying to harass him in some, some ways. And in as much as Jesus gained fans, he gained a lot of enemies in the process. And what really came down to the fact that, that Jesus wasn't playing by the rules. At least the, the religious traditions at times that everybody, of course, into this religious group of people said they should follow. He didn't play by the rules. He only played by one rule. And it's love. You only play by that. Now you think, oh, that sounds harmless. Not every, doesn't everybody play that way? No, not then, not now, today. People get caught up in the rules of it. And they get caught up in what it did. It brought confrontation to the very heart who God is and what he has for us. Now I want to look at one of those confrontations this morning about a group of people trying to play by the rules and they're really trying to really stick it to Jesus in a particular instance. And when you look at this on the surface, you're kind of going to laugh a little bit. You can kind of, I, think I kind of chuckled how almost like frivolous this is, how petty this is that we're looking at. But what it was Jesus was confronted on was washing hands. Washing your hands. Look at Matthew's gospel in chapter 15. It says this, that some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Ooh, like, wow, that's a big deal. Really, is that what you're, you have a complaint to Jesus? Is that where you're going? Hey, your guys there, they don't wash their hands. Now, listen, there's nothing like, isn't there something, it's not in the Bible, like, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness. It's not in scripture, by the way, okay, if you're wondering. But what it is, is, you know, roll up your sleeves. I don't sing happy birthday or something. That was really important. Well, it really was because it was referring to something back in the day was temple um, ceremonial washing. And it was, it started out with the, 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 the priests of the temple would go wash their hands and prepare and all that. And the, the tradition of the elders were basically saying, well, that's not good. Enough. All, everybody needs to do it. Everybody need, needs to wash their hands. Again, nothing wrong with hand washing, but we're missing the point. See, the tradition of the elders was this. They're, they're making rules upon rules. Building upon rules upon rules upon regulation upon regulation. You, you can open up the, 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 the code book for buildings. I, 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 people each year, they add new codes to new building codes. Have you ever read if you know, some of your contractors? That's how thick the building code is, by the way, that people carry around. And it's the same way. They're adding religious rules upon religious rules upon religious rules. 
And some of them didn't, just didn't even make sense, but they moved from just scripture to the, to the tradition of the elders. So they went from 10 commandments to some counted like 613 rules to follow. Some of you are like, I'm just trying to obey the speed limit, okay? Kind of, you know, just trying to get through the day, right? And, and, and we, they had rules to, so you wouldn't break the laws. Rules and laws not to break the big laws. That's kind of, and you're thinking, well, that's kind of silly. Well, no, not really. It kind of makes sense when we do this is, is maybe you were, you were a teenager, you have teenagers in your house. You made sure if a boyfriend, girlfriend came over, there was two rules. One, the door must be open. Two, the lights better be on. Okay. And you're thinking, man, my kids have never shut lights off. And then they bring the boyfriend, girlfriend. How come it's dim in here? How come the lights are going? And what was happening to us? You had those rules or your parents had those rules were because of this. Those two rules help you not break the big one. Okay. Is to protect you. Nothing wrong with rules, but you miss the whole point. And that's what Jesus is being accused of. Like, he turns the table on him, basically. Jesus is the master pushing it back on them. He's basically saying, hey, I got a better question for you. Like, okay. Jesus replied this. He says, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. But you say, if anyone declares that, that what might have been used to help their father and mother is devoted to God, they're not to be, and they are not to honor their father and mother with it. Now, don't get, don't get lost in the weeds here with this. There is the fifth commandment, right? The fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, obey your parents. That's still a rule. It's still important that back in the day that that, that was a, one of the commands. And you would say, it literally was set in stone. Moses got it from the mountain of God and brought it down to the people. There it is. You can't argue with that. But these guys did. Here, how can you go wrong? No, they, 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 what they did is they created what you could call a loophole. A loophole is a way to get around a rule or a law based on a technicality. It, we, it's in the, our legal system. Lawyers are rich because they create loopholes to get pe- help people get out of jail. Should not go to jail. Our tax system, it's filled with loopholes. I haven't done my taxes. Please don't talk to me. Some of you are like, don't even bring that word up. Why are you talking about taxes? You're going to find a loophole. You're going to find a way not to pay taxes and certain things. And people hire professionals to do that. We do that in all kinds of things. We, we, we look for rules that loopholes to get out of doing something. And many times we do that to get out of relationship. If I do the right things over here, then I can, if I just write the check here, if I cover over here, I'm not really in it. I'm just taking care of something. I get out of it. That's really what they were doing back in that day. They were getting around the fifth commandment and was to honor your mother and father. And so what they did was there was a Levitical code that said this, a rule to help you not have to follow the rule. And the loophole was this, if you dedicate all your assets to God, you can get out of this responsibility. And really what it was is like, mom, dad, thanks for giving me birth and raising me and stuff, but you're on your own because we dedicated all our assets to the Lord. <laughs> nice kids, right? Way to go there. That's, that's really nice. You know what they're doing? It was getting off, they're, they're, they're hooked on a technicality but missed the true intention. They're more focused on the laws than the relationship of loving their parents. It seems obvious, but Jesus goes on. He says this, thus doing though, you nullify the word of God for the sake of tradition. They're more concerned about getting out of something and doing it rather than pursuing for the whole heart and the matter of it all. And it all came down to loving and honoring the parents. Now we could 
you go, man, what a bunch of, you know, bad people, you know, that would, would do such a thing. How could they ever do that? That's so mean that you do that. How cruel you'd be not being that way. Well, let me challenge you with this. Jesus doesn't like it when we use his father's words to avoid his father's will. There's times that we'll do certain things and go in a certain direction, try to get out of doing something rather than leaning into it. And we can get based on tacticalities and really miss the whole point of life. There's some wonderful things in Scripture. There's principles in Scripture that when we do this, it does benefit our life. But when we do this, there's some sacrifice to it that helps see what God wants to do in the mission he has for our lives. It's not always for us, right? It's not. No, it's not, it's not always for you. And it's not always for me. And yet, there's ways we try to get out of obeying God and ultimately loving God and loving one another that we're going to look at. Now, one of, a few examples is we could beat up the religious people back in the day, but us as New Testament believers, and if you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, you're in that category, meaning is the Old Testament, as much as it's helpful, it really has helped us explain the New Testament. It's really the Old Testament has fulfilled the Old, the, the Old Testament. So these dietary laws and these rituals you read through going, oh my gosh, they had to do what? Yeah, they did those back then. You don't have to do those any longer. You, you can eat pork, okay? You can have bacon. Oh, I'm Christian. Yay. I, I, I can, you know, we, we only, how we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus at Easter. We have a ham, okay? I don't know how that happened, but that's what we do. You can do that. Good for you, okay? If you're vegan, we'll pray for you, okay? But here, we get caught up in missing technicalities of this because some examples of this is tithing. Tithing is one of the Old Testament uh, commands. Tithing is to give your first 10%, your first fruits to God. Well, the whole point is the first fruits. The whole point is giving to God. So somebody go, well, is, do, do, do I need to tithe? You know, because it's not mentioned in the New Testament, and it's not. But you know what's mentioned? Generosity. So tithing, oh, generosity, it's a whole nother, it's a game changer. We're to live a generous life. What does that look like? Well, it could be 10%, it could be 20%. I love what Paul says this. He says, see to it that you excel in the grace of giving. God gives you the grace to give. God gives you the funds to give. It might not be financially. God has given you all this time. Some of you are early retirees, and I know a few of my friends are early retirees, and they're looking for ways to serve in a church, and I love it. It might be giving your emotional energy to someone. How many know that takes a whole lot of work to give yourself in relationship with someone else? There's, the Bible says, excel in the grace of giving. Live a generous life. Should I tithe? That's a good starting point. How about this? Obeying Sabbath. The day of rest. Okay, I'm here today. It's Sunday. <laughs> Sabbath is actually Saturday. I'm like, why are we meeting Saturday? Well, Bible talks about we're celebrating the Lord's Day, the Resurrection Day, and that's Sunday. That's how we got the tradition of that. So, so do we need to obey the Sabbath? Well, technically, no. But there's so much of the Sabbath that's, that's amazing. It's powerful. It, you don't have to do it on Saturday because some of you on Saturday, I mow my lawn on Saturday when it's nice out, right? You don't do that. But what's the principle? The principle is worship and rest and trusting God that will provide. Stop working so that you're replenishing. And it's a rhythm and a cycle. I love what Jesus, when they're trying to nail him, again, his disciples were breaking, you know, breaking technically the Sabbath. It's amazing what he says. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man 
is Lord even of the Sabbath. What's the point? It's about Jesus. It's about what he has for our lives and the rest he gives us, the Lord of the Sabbath, to bless your life so then your life can be in a healthy rhythm throughout the week. Do you get the principle behind it? you get the heart behind the rule? We can make it about rules and lose the heart and the matter in the first place. Let me challenge you with this. When it comes to rules and following Jesus, is this about love. Love doesn't look for a way out, but a way in. Love doesn't look for a way out, but a way in. We can hide behind a religious checklist. I write the check, I tithe, I, or, I, I, I pray, I, I do the right things and miss the whole real work of it. What's the work we're to do? Love. Love, it takes much more energy and much more of ourselves to do that, but that's what we're called to do. That's what Jesus was all about. He made it clear when it comes to the rules and laws and everything, he says this, do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them. What does he say greater? To fulfill them. How did he fulfill that? Well, back to love. Look at what he says in Matthew we challenge, challenge again by these religious leaders. What are the, he says, one of them, the experts of the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest command in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. They're like, yep, did it. We're, we're loving God. And then we're doing our things. Then he goes, the second is like it. And they're like, second? Whoa, 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 whoa. wait. Yeah. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these, these two commands. The first commandments are to love God. Love, love, the, the, the last of the commandments is to love your neighbor, love others. That's the, if you had two coat hangers, that's what's hanging on the closet. Love God and love others. And Jesus says that's the fulfillment. And yet, many times, people make it about rules, and Jesus is calling them out. Everything else is smoke and mirrors. Everything else is a fake of doing all the religious things. And so it comes down to this, and, and, and Jesus gets serious with them. I think at some point, you know, Jesus was always calm, he was always cool, but there's moments like, okay, we've got to do something here. And he calls them something that I would say still this day, we have people in our culture that we call, yeah, that's how Christians are called. In fact, if you're here today and you're not Christian, you're not really sure, you're all, yep, I you would even say amen. You might not even say amen in church. You're going to say, you might say, you, you can say it. I don't know if you want to say it out loud, but you can say it to yourself this, because this is what Jesus called them. He called them hypocrites. Some of you are like, amen. Okay. Hypocrites. That's what the label church had to It was back in that day. He calls these religious people hypocrites. He calls them even worse in other places. He says, you're hypocrites. You're, you're snakes. You're brood of vipers. You're whitewashed tombs with dead man's bones. Okay, Jesus, we get it. Okay. <laughs> right. We understand. What is he saying? All show, no substance. All show, no substance. And then he just really kind of puts it there. He loves them. And remember, he loves the Pharisees as much as he loves the people that don't know anything about God. He says this, Isaiah, he said, was right. When he prophesied about you, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are mere human rules. Saying, man, all words, no heart. All words, all singing, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Lord. I'm singing off a wall. No, it's the heart that's changed. It's the heart that gets transformed. It's the heart in which we express to God in worship. You can miss the whole point of it all. And it comes back to love. Jesus lived, modeled, passionately, recklessly, extravagantly died for this very love. 
when he was gathered with his disciples, that last supper, he summed it up. You, you could say this is the love manifesto that Jesus had. All the three and a half years were leading to this moment. These hours just before he was going to be arrested and then crucified the next day. He gathers with him. If you have last words, what are your last words going to be? This is Jesus' last words. He says this, a new commandment I give you. A new commandment. What does that mean? It's not retrofitting the old commandments. It's not trying to make the Old Testament fit into the new. Not, not, not remodeled, not retrofitted, not, not, no, brand new. Brand new mean like this, nothing like it before it new, is what that word means. And what's the new rule? What's how, it's clear and cut right here. Love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. When you are loved, then you can live loved. So you, then he says, as I love you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I mean, he, he, I, can we get around it? Is there a loophole? No, no, it's right there. You can't get around that. The very command of love was their hallmark. It was the very thing that they were to be about. And it's the very thing that we are about. We are to be known to, to, to be known that we love not just the world and the people out there, the lost world, but to love one another. People know us as followers of Christ. How would they know really? It's by our love for one another. So I, I challenge you with this as we get closing here is this. Let's let love be our rule. If you're going to follow one rule, what's the one rule? Love. What, what about over here? What over here? Well, this is love. Those things are helpful over there. They help you. Will they help you love? Not really. Well, don't do that. But if the motivation is love, is honoring your father and mother, yeah, that's love. Obeying the, you know, you know, don't commit adultery. What are you doing? It's not about breaking the rule. It's about loving your spouse. You know, it's, it's, it, it's, it's about love. It's always been about love. And when we make love our rule, it changes everything. That's what happened in the early church. They leveraged this command. They knew that they knew once Jesus rose from the dead, they knew that he knew it was true. And the Holy Spirit came and filled them with love. And this love, they leveraged it. it the church shouldn't have survived the first century. There was persecution and torture and martyrdom. It survived because of love. The passionate love of God was in people in such a reality that it transformed the entire culture. When you know you're loved is when you can live loved. It comes down to that. I invite our ride come as we close. Let me, let me just share. I, I, I want to give you, I, I, I kind of left the Christian's story a little hanging there at the beginning. I want to come back to this. Kristen, you, you, we moved in different state and, and we lost track of many, many people. But 20 years later, 20 years later, and I, it, 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 we had this wonderful ability now to go. In fact, I think she, she, she friend requested us. And all of a sudden there's Kristen and we're we see her story and we interact with her. And what we discover about Kristen is this, is that she married one of our guys in the youth group named Dan. <laughs> she has, they have two wonderful, one or two wonderful children, just beautiful marriage, beautiful family, and she loves Jesus. She loves Jesus. Now, we don't get them all that way. 
We don't all have those success stories because I've got some kids I've invested in. They're, they're, they're pastors today. I've got some kids I invested in. They're in jail today. Okay, so it's not about the outcome. It's about what we give and love. And I've learned this, and maybe you're starting, you're starting to pick this up a little bit, is this. When you, when you love, you don't fail. Because Paul tells us that in 1 Corinthians, in love, love never fails. When you lean into love and, and choose love and you move toward love, and you, when you say, I'm going to love, I'm not going to look a way out of doing that. I'm going to look a way in. I want you to begin to think about this question. What does love require of you today? What is it something that you're motivated by love to do that? Well, I would just do that. Do that within the context of you truly, purely loving that person for who they are. And when we do, you know what's so powerful? It is the very essence and very proof that we are a Christ follower. This new commandment I give you, Jesus says, love one another as I love you. No greater commandment than you would, that we, you would love one another. One more question, then we're gonna prize this. Are you letting God's love rule over you? Let it rule over you. You're letting it wash over you. You're going to see people get baptized and it's going to walk. Picture that for yourself. Is that for you today? Are you allowing God's love to wash over you, to cleanse you, to change you, to transform you, to fill you today? If you want to be a more loving person, just love, receive the love of God and you become that person God wants you to be that so desperately is a world that needs his love. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for this time and opportunity today. And I have a feeling, Lord, there's some people here today that have not truly experienced the love and the depth of that love. We say it a lot. It's overstated enough of your great love. But may today be their moment. May they crack open their heart just a little bit to allow you to come in and change and transform you. Lord, there's some Christians in this room. There are people that are hard to love. They know they're not easy to love. Lord, will you just saturate them a little bit? Will you immerse them in your love today? Will they, as they open themselves up, Lord, you promise that you would you pour your love into our lives that way. Will you do that by your spirit? We just ask humbly for that, Lord. Bring transformation. And God, as well, I'm going to pray for some of us this week that we're going back to work and school and the people we interact with. There are some people that are tough to love, Lord. Oh, man. We're needing help, Lord. And so will you fill us, as you fill us with your love, Lord, may we have the capacity to love the people around us. That we don't make it about ourselves, we make it about you. And Lord, may we walk in the freedom of grace that if they don't reciprocate it back, that is okay. We're not going to be offended. We're not gonna look down upon that. We're just gonna know it. We're gonna keep loving them. And God, give us the wisdom of how to love and how to reach out. Lord, a hugs are tough. A notice is tough to write text can be a way. There's different things that we can do. God, give us the wisdom to go about doing that great work, Lord, of that great love, God, the love that you've given us, God. We're so grateful for it. We love you in Jesus' name.